It's young, 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 young Thomas. I feel like this should become like a jingle or a chant or something <laughs> that's going to help sell my program. What do you think? Oh, you get so much younger every time I see you. <laughs> now, look, a real quick question before we get started. I want to know how you would handle something like this. My wife and I are out shopping at the mall, and I see a very well-known actor. And I know that he lives in the area because there was an earthquake in San Francisco years ago, and he moved his family to where his wife's from, and she's from this area. And this guy's a big actor. He's not a leading man, but he's been a million things. He's been in... Because if I tell you his name, you're probably not going to know who it is. Who is it? David Morris. He was in Green Mile, Hurt Locker. He started in St. Elsewhere as a young doctor. He was in True Detective, Tremmy, World War Z, a lot of stuff. He's six foot four. He played Washington in the John Adams HBO series. If you Google him, you'll see his body of work. Well, here's the thing. He's standing two feet away from me, and I've loved him. I've loved his work. And he's not one of these kind of guys that walks down the street and everybody recognizes. So I say, why don't I just go up to him and say, look, I don't want to bother you, but I just want to let you know how much appreciation I have for what you've, your career. And I just want to say thanks and walk away. Would that have been all right? It's okay with me. Did you do that? No, I'm kicking myself for because not doing your wife it. said, "Don't bother him. Don't bother him." Right? No, she didn't say anything. I just said, oh, "I don't know. Do I want to get in his private space?" But what do you feel about that? If I had done it that quick, I just I'm said, exactly the same way you are. I don't want to bother people. Right. But I, don't you think he'd appreciate I, it though? If it was that quick, and it's a guy that's not you know a household name, but has been in a million things. You appreciate it. It's like a double-edged sword. You appreciate it so much when somebody takes the time to, you know, recognize you and say something complimentary. Right. But then after a while, you don't. You know, it's kind of a fine line. It's a double-edged sword. Sometimes, depending on what mood they're in, because I've known people like this. Yeah. They appreciate it. Other times, they just feel annoyed. Right. I mean, I would never do it if they were eating dinner or something like that. He was just standing looking at rugs with his wife and... I don't know. But do me a favor. Later today, get a chance. Go to that Google machine and Google David Morse. And you'll see, you'll say, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy many times. Okay? M-O-R-S-E. Yeah. Okay, got it. Are you regretting that? Yeah, I am. Okay. Because I'll probably never see him again. And I want to let him know how much I appreciate his work. He's one of those kind of actors that gets it done. And, you know, he might just say to you, Cut you never hell. know, hey, uh, what do you do? And then you can tell him and right. he'll say, I'll listen to your podcast every day. <laughs> What's this world coming to dot com. So anyway, my friend, there's this restaurant that's been having trouble with the city officials in Keene, New Hampshire, K-E-E-N-E. And what the problem is, for many months, the city officials haven't let them use the name that they wanted because it sounds like it's a profanity. It's a Vietnamese-American restaurant, and the name of the restaurant is P-H-O. And the name, the name that they've finally got the okay for is Pho Keen Great Restaurant. What do you think, pal? I don't have a problem with it as long <laughs> as uh, you don't say it real fast in front of the children. <laughs> and the big thing is there's a liquor store right next door, and the name of the liquor store is Richard Hurt's Liquor, Right. <laughs> no, really? Now, that was a joke. That was a joke. Okay. You are living on the edge today, aren't you? But see, the people that don't want it, they say, don't you think about the children. Think about the children. The young, faux, keen children? <laughs> you know, I did a little research, and there's all kinds of stuff. that ha- There's a Vietnamese Arab fusion restaurant, 
and it's named Go Foe Yourself. I like that one. Mm, that's not real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, but you got a million of them. <laughs> You're making me nervous. <laughs> the Thai restaurant everybody's heard about. Some Young Boy, B-O-I. Yeah. There you go. You like that one? Uh-uh. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. All I know is this restaurant in New Hampshire. I bet they're selling more T-shirts than any other restaurant, don't uh, you think? I bet they are. How about Taiwan On? <laughs> I could go with that, buddy. All right. Enough of that nonsense. Tom and Mike. Now, you're a happily married man, right? I'm a happily married so man. So happy. I have to look myself in the mirror every day and say... Boy, are you a happy, lucky guy. Well, the National Marriage Project out of the University of Denver did a study, and they found out that couples should never talk about what their love life was before they got married. Does that ever happen between you two? We have never, ever discussed that, even after we've been married for a while. How about you and Claire? Yes, we have. Really? Yeah. Is that a good idea? No, it's not a good idea, but, you know. Did you guys fight? No, not at all. And, and, you know, the numbers mean nothing. This is what the study found out. For example, somebody says they had 30 lovers in their life, but they might have had 28 of them 25 years ago. They also found out in a study that people who had much more sexual partners before getting married report unhappier marriages. How about that? Hmm. I can believe that, can't you? Yeah, I, I think I can. This is why it's not a good idea to discuss. If you have to talk about it, come up with a, a right kind of number, somewhere between Mother Teresa and Madonna, somewhere in the middle there. <laughs> right? Mother Teresa and Madonna, okay. And if you're a woman, you never marry a man who said he was in the French Foreign Legion. Yes, sage, wise advice. Or a woman, you get out of the relationship if you go to the guy's bedroom and there's notches on the bedpost. Never do that. Yeah, or her notches on her lipstick case like that Pat Benatar song. And you might scratch your head. If every time the phone rings on Father's Day, why he gets so many phone calls? Because they're soliciting. And they say to round off the number, the nearest, like if it's 48, say 40. That's pretty smart, isn't it? <laughs> round down. <laughs> right? Don't round up, round down. <laughs> and why do so many people get so worked up with this anyway? Married couples only do it like six times a year, right? <laughs> well, that's a good number, six. There you go. Everybody has their own way of doing things. We have such a good marriage that whatever happened before me, I don't mind. You know, I sowed my oats. So as long as those oats don't come back to right. live another day. Right. In a Petri dish. Tom and Mike. Remember a few weeks ago, we did that story on chocolate could be in danger because of the climate yeah, cocoa change. Cocoa trees or right. whatever, right? Well, now new research shows that 60% of coffee species found in the wild could be extinct in just a number of years. How many because, years? Well, they just say in the near future. They say climate change, deforestation, droughts, and plant diseases are putting the future of coffee at risk. And out of 124 types of wild coffees, 75 are at the risk of distinction. How about that? So anytime you see coffee on sale at the store, you better buy it, right? This is going to be terrible. Do you know that the entire aviation and truck industry runs on coffee? You knew that, didn't you? What are we going to do? Your pilot's not drinking coffee. Do you want to get in that plane? Mm-mm. I always look at the bright side. Glass half full instead of empty. This just makes more room to grow some marijuana. How about that? Oh, you're such a hooch head. They're talking about a future with synthetic coffee. How about putting that in your coffee? No, that's kind of like fake meat. Right. With the fake blood running out. Come on. You know, all this means is there'll never be completely done with coffee because people that are rich will grow it in greenhouses and stuff like that. And then you'll be paying like for drugs, top 
shelf prices. Would you do it? My next cup of caffeine, I'm going to vape. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I happen to know somebody very close to me has a very specific morning bathroom schedule. Lack of coffee definitely makes this person tougher to work with. You know who I'm talking about? No, don't I don't you? know who I'm talking about. I mean, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> oh, man. You without coffee is like me without well, sweets. It just means that I'm full of it, literally. I- Yes, yes, you would be. I know you told me many times, you said, Michael, without coffee, there would be darkness and chaos. Do you really mean that? I do mean that. How many cups do you drink a day? Just two. Yeah, they say three three cups is uh, actually good for you. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Are you one of those people that if you drink late in the day, you can't get to sleep at night? If it's after 7 p.m., yes. And let's, since we're doing this whole coffee expose, what kind of coffee does young Thomas like? You want to know, really? Yeah, I think people would like to know. what. I'm so- a connoisseur of coffee as much as I'm a connoisseur of wine. And do you know what my favorite coffee is? I'm going to say uh, Maxwell House. Anything on sale. There you go. You can't tell the difference? Oh, I can tell the difference, but I always search for whole beans that are on sale because if they're whole beans and they're roasted correctly, there's a good chance they're pretty decent and they're fresh, right? Yeah. So, yeah, because I'm cheap that way. I always look for value in everything. Like, I'm still trying to find value in this relationship between you and me. There you go. <laughs> but it's funny that you say you look for value because I've known you to be nothing but top shelf, you know? But top shelf at a fair price. Is that so... Unusual. I'm going to relate this story to show you what you're like. Thomas went out to dinner with his family, and it was a celebration of something. And because he frequents this restaurant quite a bit, when the bill came, it was a bill of about $500 or something like that. Right. And because he's a good customer, the guy, I don't know, was it the waiter or the concierge or what was he? It's a server that I always ask for. I won't even go there unless he's working. Right. I'm extremely... Loyal. The guy knew that Thomas is a regular and he's a good customer and it was a celebration for his family. So he put a big zero on the bill. Actually, no, it wasn't a zero. The credit card receipt came back at one penny. Right. Okay. It's funny because, you know, we initially around the table, we thought, wow, I asked it. The guy's name is Adam. I asked him about it. He goes, you're such a good customer. This is my gift to you. I'm blown away. So all of us at the table immediately start coming up with cash out of our wallet because we want to give him a big fat tip, right? $300, I hear. Yeah. Well, so anyway, so we had all this cash, a big stack of cash. And then I realized, hey, wait, he ran my card for a penny. So that opens the door to put the tip on the receipt. Wasn't that ingenious of him? Yep. I actually asked the bartender the other night when we went to dinner, when you sign a tip on a credit card, how quick do they get their money? And he says immediately. Did you know that? How does that work? They just take it out of the till. They do their book work. But that's why I brought that story up because you told me that you're a, you know, you look for the value, but sometimes you just go the other way. So, hey, here's a value for you because it costs you nothing. Zilch. It's our daily podcast at what's this world coming to.com. Tom and Mike. A guy is put in prison for being a con man. He's a fraudster, right? Right. So he's in jail, I don't know, a, a couple years or whatever. He gets a hold of a, f- a phone somehow in jail. And this guy is so smart. Somehow he managed to send a text to the prison officials. It's a false bail instructions to prison officials to let this guy out. He uses it, sets up a fake web domain, and he gets out. Guess what? He gets caught three days later. Uh, so he's, he's smart, but he's not a good he's not a good guy to keep out of jail, right? 
Right. But isn't that amazing? You can do something like that? It's amazing how easy it is to snooker these folks that are running these prisons, huh? Remember the good old days when an inmate would just use a spoon to tunnel under, right? Remember them days? A spoon. Take me back to Shawshank. <laughs> isn't it always a good time when somebody gets himself off, right? <laughs> well, since you, since you put it that way. Tom and Mike. All right, you got your handkerchief ready? I got a tearjerker for you. Okay. This woman in Yucatan, Mexico. Pronounced Yucatan. Yucatan. I'm sorry, okay. Mr. World Traveler. All her life, she did one thing. She fed stray dogs in her town, gave them whatever she had. She fed them. The woman passed away. And here's the amazing part of this story. Now, wait a minute. Where did you get this story? Because this sounds like an urban myth. No, it's true. You can Google it. Google stray dogs show up at Mexican woman's funeral. So I've she's heard ha- about stuff like this before. Well, she's having her funeral. And there's pictures on the internet. You can see the dogs. I don't know how they notice. Her body's in a coffin in this funeral home. These dogs never go to the funeral home. All of a sudden, all these stray dogs start showing up at the funeral. And you, you see the picture of her coffin and the people. And you see about eight or nine dogs just laying on the tile floor in front of her casket. Wow. I mean, come on. Is that for real? It's for real. Nobody believes me? Google it. Now, Maybe this explains it. She was buried with 12 meatballs in her coffin. Oh. Ah, 12 pounds of meatballs. <laughs> now, this, my friend, was the real Last Supper. How about that? Mm. I guess the music that was playing while she was at the funeral home. Who let the dogs out? There you go. Look at you. Boy. So perceptive that way. She also fed stray cats, but did you think a cat would show up? <laughs> I think not. I think no. if I'm a crazy stray cat, I'm somewhere in an alleyway doing my nails. I read a story like this, and it just it just breaks my heart. I mean, dogs are just such amazing creatures. They really are. We saw a movie recently, and my wife just, she hated it, but I loved it. It's called A Dog's Way Home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With saw, Ashley Judd. I saw trailers of it. Yeah, it's really such a sweet movie. She hated it. You know why? Why? Because they show this dog in distress. But the dog's not getting hurt. I know. And it was a happy ending. Okay, you know it's a happy ending because of the title, A Dog's Way Home, right? You know Mm -hmm. the dog's not going to make it home. But the point being, she's like, she's so uncomfortable. She kept hitting me going, I hate this movie. Why do I have to watch this movie? Right. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. You don't have to watch this movie. See ya. Right. But she watched it, and her retort was, see, I told you I wasn't going to like this movie. But a story like this makes me wish I could be half a person a dog thinks I am. That should be a bumper sticker, shouldn't it? Half a person a dog thinks you are? Yep, I should be half the person a dog thinks I am. That's so sweet. It is sweet. Hold on. Let me get my hanky. (laughs) Tom and Mike. Duke Research just did a study. Duke? Duke That's in North Carolina. Yeah, baby. They found out a lot of people that are really big, fat people feel guilty. But through this research, maybe you shouldn't feel guilty because this new research shows there's a gene, a certain gene that millions of Americans have that puts on pounds through no fault of their own. This gene causes fat cells to suck up the glucose faster than normal, more than doubling their size. They call it the fault-free obesity. A.K.A. the fat gene. A lot of these fatties that are going around, you know, we look at them out in public and... You know, we have these comments under our breath saying, 
you have no discipline. But maybe they don't. Maybe they can't control it, right? Right. You should never, ever fat shame anybody. No, I never do. Well, you know, I, no, I disagree. Well, not in their face or anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hypocritical when you oh. say that. So the bottom line is, if you have the fat gene, you're not going to fit in your skinny gene. There you go. You know how you can tell if you're fat? No. If you can put your hands in your pockets and you're not wearing any clothes. Yeah, you might be fat. <laughs> right. You know, you can only blame DNA for so much, but you know, you know what the real DNA of these people are? Donuts, Nutella, and apple pie. DNA, get it? <laughs> Tom and Mike.